Welcome to The Pulpit, the sermon podcast of Calvary Moravian Church. My name is Pastor Chaz Snyder, and I hope you'll use this recording to grow deeper in God's Word and help you on your spiritual journey. The epistle lesson is from 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 11 through 13. Finally, brethren, farewell. Mend your ways. Heed my appeal. Agree with one another. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Great one, and greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. Please stand as you are able for the reading of the gospel. The gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, according to Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the close of the age. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Let us join in a moment of quiet meditation and prayer. Holy Spirit of God, Come now, open our hearts and minds, that we may hear your word for us this day. And in hearing, we we may be faithful as followers of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Today is Trinity Sunday in the church year. And I'm hoping that you will be at least a little relieved to hear that I do not plan to try to explain the doctrine of the Trinity. It is a a doctrine, a belief, if you will, that the church has shared for a long time. Belief in one God, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Suffice it to say that For more than 2,000 years now, the church has affirmed that we Christians experience the presence and power of God 
in those ways. We experience God as creator, Father. We experience God as our redeemer, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And we experience the presence of God as a continuing source of of blessing for our lives, the Holy Spirit, one God whom we have come to know and and to love and, and to respond to in three expressions, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, that's not an attempt to explain what is ultimately unexplainable. It is a mystery. But it does suggest, I think, the importance of that Trinitarian belief, for it encompasses our entire experience of the presence of God. Now, the assigned gospel for this Sunday in the church year is probably the foremost passage which implies the Trinitarian doctrine. There are other passages of scripture also that bring it to mind, including one that contains a very familiar benediction. But this one in the passage from the Gospel of Matthew is perhaps the most important. Early in the history of our church, the preeminent theologian of the Unitas Fratrum, or ancient Moravian church, was a leader and theologian who simply went by the name Luke, Luke of Prague, he was called. In the early 1600s, Luke was a bishop of the church. He was also president of the governing body of the church, which was called the Inner Council. I'm glad we don't use that name anymore. It sounds a little suspicious, doesn't it? Bishop Luke considered the doctrine of the Trinity to be of of unparalleled importance, pointing to our gospel reading in the book of Matthew today as an expression of what he believed was a belief that was essential to salvation. Belief in God as creator, Father. Belief in God as Savior, Jesus Christ. Belief in God as Holy Spirit, the one who sustains and blesses us daily. And Luke went on to say that just as essential as that belief would be our response with faith and with hope and with love. Thus the importance of of that Trinitarian formula, if you will, and response for those six essentials of salvation according to old Luke of Prague many, many centuries ago. Well, I want us to reflect a bit more upon our assigned gospel reading this morning, not so much with an eye toward the doctrine of the Trinity, as as important as that is, but with some understanding of other implications in these concluding verses of Matthew's gospel. Since it's Trinity Sunday, let's consider three implications in this passage. First of all, We often refer to this passage as the great commission of Jesus. These are Jesus' last words to his disciples, at least in Matthew's gospel. Last words take on a special meaning. We might even think of them as the marching orders which Jesus gives to his church, to his followers. Now, my brother Bishop Sam Gray 
likes to point out that this passage we call the Great Commission is, not, is really the Great Co-Mission. Perhaps you've heard Sam talk about that. The mission is God's, but Jesus is naming us, his disciples, as partners in that mission. God's mission, our commission. Now, why it's very challenging to shoulder that kind of responsibility which God has given us and called us to carry out, it's a comfort to know that we're not doing this alone, that God is, is with us in fulfilling God's mission. Historically, of course, the, the great co-mission has often been associated primarily with world missions, and that's understandable. Going all the way back 1732, Moravians understood it that way. And so Leonard Dober and David Nitschmann became the first of literally hundreds of missionaries that the Moravian church would send into the far reaches of the world, often to places and, and to people uh, to whom nobody else would go. And through these efforts, thousands of people would come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and follow him, so that today more than 80% of the Moravians around the world are spiritual descendants of those early and ongoing world mission efforts. The very positive effect of the great co-mission on our church cannot be underestimated, should not be, not only in terms of, of converts to Christian faith, but also in terms of so many humanitarian efforts, hospitals, schools, other works of charity. Friends, we have taken the great commission very seriously. And through all, throughout all these efforts, the record shows that we have done all of this, realizing that it's God's mission that we are partners in bringing to fruition what God can do and has promised God will do through us. Now, the second truth of this passage is the charge to make disciples. In his closing words to the church, Jesus commands us to make disciples. He didn't say make church members. That's good, though. He didn't say make converts. He didn't say make good people. Those are all fine and worthy purposes, but that's not what Jesus said. No, make disciples is the command. What's a disciple? A disciple is a follower. A disciple is a student who wants to learn from his or her master teacher. Disciples want to live so as to emulate their teacher's way of life. Disciples are lifelong learners. They continue to grow in their understanding. They continue to grow into the, into the likeness, the model, if you will, of the one they follow. They don't just believe in their master. They commit their whole lives to their master and the master's values and the master's commands. They place their ultimate trust in their master no matter what. So that in times of decision-making, 
In times of choices, disciples are eager to try to discern what their master would do or say in just such a time. Because this great commission is to make disciples, that means to me that every ministry of the church needs to understand that as its purpose. Everything we do, every program of ministry in this congregation is offered toward the purpose of making disciples. It may not appear that way on the surface, but all we do as the Church of Jesus Christ is or should be a response to this great commission. Sunday school, faith formation groups, playing with children in the nursery, ushering at worship, singing in the choir, playing in the band, handing out bags of food or clothing or shelter, serving love feasts, what my daughters used to call deaning. There's no such word. It's all part of our response to the command to make disciples even if it's cleaning up the kitchen or taking out the trash. Notice that I didn't even mention what many might call the more obvious responses like preaching or teaching or giving pastoral care. You see, in the spirit of the gospel, one gift, one response is just as important as another. There's no hierarchy of gifts except for love. It's all offered in the hope and promise of making disciples. Therefore, we must never underestimate the need for and value of even the smallest effort toward the common goal of making disciples of Jesus. We, friends, are followers of Jesus, and that's what we do in a myriad of ways. Well, I said there'd be three, so I've got one to go. The third truth in this passage from Matthew is contained in the the concluding words of Jesus. Hear again what he said. He said, and remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Here's another reminder, I think, that this is a (laughs) co-mission. We're not in it alone. The master is with disciples always, even to the end of time. It's only been two or three weeks ago that I heard a report or an excerpt from a report by the Surgeon General of the United States, Dr. Vivek Murthy. He reported about an emerging health threat to people in this country, which he named as loneliness. It caught my attention because in my years of pastoral work, I know the reality of loneliness for many, many people. It's an 81-page report which suggests that the reality of loneliness is associated with everything from a rise in young adult suicides to several physical and mental diseases, including heart disease, stroke, and dementia. In terms of technology, we are probably the most connected people ever to live on the face of the earth. Yet the report says that approximately one-half of all the people surveyed, and it was thousands, one-half indicated that they experience loneliness frequently.
frequently. It's an absence of a sense of community with others, which is often at the core of the loneliness that people experience. An absence, no doubt, that was exacerbated by the COVID pandemic and, and the after effects of that that are still with us. Now, why do I mention this in connection with the promise of Jesus to be with us always? It's this. The co-mission to make disciples is given to us as a community, not just as individuals, but as a community of people. We're in this mission together with our Lord. We're in this mission together with each other, for better or for worse. We can't fulfill it alone. The spirit of Jesus with us always doesn't send us off in separate directions. It draws us together in common purpose. It connects us with each other in all of our efforts to make disciples. It calls us to be a community. That's what a church is supposed to be. That may not be the panacea. Well, it isn't the panacea that cures all loneliness, but it surely is a way for us to discover that the Spirit is still with us and that we are with each other. We're not alone. We need God, yes. And friends, we need each other. We need each other in order to do what Jesus has commanded us to do, to be the people God wants us to be. That requires, I think, each of us to reach deep inside and then to reach out and embrace each other in a spirit of faith and hope and love, to open our arms to others to join in this God's community. And we can do all that. We have all it takes to do all of that, not within us, but because the spirit of Jesus is with us even to the end of the age. Well, my friends, that's the trinity. <laughs> that's the trinity of, of truth that I see in our gospel today. I'm sure there's more, much more, but that's the trinity brought to us today. Ours is a co-mission. Ours is a co-mission to make disciples, followers. And the promise of Jesus is that his spirit is with our faith community always as we try to follow our Lord. So I say, let all disciples hear what the Spirit is saying, and let all disciples therefore give thanks and rejoice. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, we stand in awe of what you have asked us to do and to be. And we confess we do not have within our own strength and reason the ability to respond as you would have us respond. And so we give ourselves anew to you and to your spirit working within us. Make us, make us faithful disciples of Jesus Christ. 
for these things we ask in his name. Amen.